during these days, I hope that you realize that we are an Easter people that are called to continue to celebrate our resurrected Lord. This passage of scripture that we turn our attention to this morning particularly has a very important way of understanding, of leading us into an understanding of Jesus and how he appears for us. Let's listen as we read Luke's telling of Jesus appearing on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And talking with each other about all these things that had happened, while they were talking together and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you're walking along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in the past days? We, he asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead of us, ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while, we, while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour we got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. May God have such rich blessings to the reading of this word and our hearing, not only with our ears, 
but with our hearts today. I enjoy images of Jesus that leave something to the imagination. There are too many images of our Lord that remove all doubt as to what the artist's concept of Jesus was. Some remove the mystery by showing us the length of his hair. Some remove the mystery by showing us the tint of his skin. Some even share with us the color of his eyes. And it's interesting how all that seems to fit in a certain framework. I've come to the conclusion that our images of Jesus reveal as much about us, if not more, than they do about him. Let me say that again. That our images of Jesus reveal as much about us as they do about him. You know, really, this is the way it is with the gospel tellings of Jesus. These writers... And you can pick up on it especially with Luke if you will pay attention. Can you imagine the church, the early church struggling with their ideas of Jesus and what they were remembering? And some remembered things that others didn't remember. Finally, the church came together and said there needs to be more than one telling of who Jesus is. And so Matthew painted his image, and Luke painted his image, and Mark and John. And if you read those images, you get very different pictures. There is a sharing across these. But each is particularly revealing of what's going on in the heart and in the mind of the one who is doing the, the writing about Jesus. You and I are just like that. There are parts of who Jesus is that are a part of us that we reveal to those around us or don't reveal, as it were. But never is the complete Jesus made known in any one individual. The coming together of the church is a blessing, and the gathering at his table is a blessing. Why? Because Christ is revealed in all of us as we come together. A precious artist at his work, his palette, the stories and experiences of life, but Luke's task is to paint the image of a subject matter, Jesus, who is larger than any canvas that he could have before him. Who is this Jesus? I do wonder, though, why these two on the road don't recognize Jesus. Do you ever think about that? <coughs> I mean, in all likelihood, <coughs> they knew him personally. They weren't among the twelve, but 
but they were close enough to be grieving his loss. And as they walked this road, you would think that they would recognize this stranger that comes and walks with them. If not by the way he looked, surely they would know him by the tone of his voice or the gestures of his hands. The way that he walked, do you know the way people walk? We have some people in our family that they don't walk, they waddle. They just waddle like this. I would know them anywhere. I could see them a mile down the road, I would say. There she is. She's coming toward us. You know people. I had a dream recently. I was a little boy again. And I was way, way back out in the yard somewhere a distance from our house. And I did not see her. But it was unmistakable to me that my mother came and opened the back door and I can still hear her voice ringing through that dream. She said, Bill, Bill, Bill. And I knew it was my mother, even though I did not you know that way of connecting with people that you love? Why is it that they did not know him? Cleopas stands there. They stopped their journey in order to talk with this stranger. They were stupefied that he did not know the events that had been going on there in Jerusalem, or at least he appeared not to. And so they stopped, they stood there and spoke to this stranger and tried to explain to them what they had been through. And then this stranger begins to explain things to them. This is where the story gets interesting. And with our lives as well, we bring all kinds of stuff with us to worship, don't we? When we gather in God's house, we bring everything that's going on. And sometimes we are bearing such burdens from which we need, we need the precious blessings of God just to help us through. We bring here our confusions, we bring our grief, we bring our pain, our sorrow, for all of these things that are a part of our life. They can become such a distraction to us that we cannot recognize the closeness of Christ's presence right by us. We miss it completely because we're so distracted. But it was when Jesus, in the form of this stranger, he began to explain to them and to connect the dots through the Holy Scripture of how the prophets had said that all of this would come to be. And he began to reveal to them the nature of who Jesus was. 
They said later, we felt our hearts were burning within us. We knew, we knew that something precious was going on. Out of their dashed hopes and the uncertainty of their future, this stranger began to share with them and restore to them that their dreams were being fulfilled, even though they didn't see it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt so distracted with your life that you felt like all of your dreams were gone? That you had lost a vision of how Christ, even Christ, could redeem it. I focus in this passage on these disciples and how they could not recognize Jesus. But the more I reflect on it, I think this passage really is about how Jesus recognized them. Think about this just a little bit with me. It was almost as if they were the only two people in the world. Jesus, completely present, focused only on them. This is why their hearts burned within them. They were discovering that the resurrected Jesus moves freely in these liminal spaces that we don't believe hope, holiness. We have a wonderfully renovated space just a short distance from this room that we call Main Street. Some of you are aware, and some of you are not, that it did not come to be without some blood, sweat, and tears. Not everybody was in favor of this project. That's the way it is at church, don't you know? And that's not to denigrate in any way those who did not think it was the right project or the right time because I believe God speaks through all of us and there are pieces of God in all of us. We come together to make the best decisions possible. But let me tell you, as I look at this space, I see it as far more than just a nice place to it offers a promise of who we are and what we are about as we lean into the future of what God wants to happen in our midst. It is a turning, if we allow it to be, it is a turning of our lives toward children and youth ministry and prioritizing that in a way where we rededicate ourselves to letting them see resurrected Jesus 
You never know what kind of questions they will be grappling with. I was on, on that Main Street hallway just a week ago, and one of our preschoolers holding the hand of his parents looked up at me and he said, Brother Bill, why don't you have any hair? <laughs> and I was stopped. I, I just didn't know exactly what to say. And I, I got down next to him and I, I, I said, I really don't know. I don't, he said, you don't have, you've got a little bit around the edge, but you don't have any hair. And I said, it just fell out. It just fell out. Lots of questions in that hallway. In fact, Jared has shared with me some of the questions that have come up in our youth meetings that he has hosted so beautifully. And Sarah has shared with me how she gets these questions with our children so regularly about the nature of Christ at work in their lives. Is that something that you want to happen? Of course it is. In fact, Christ not only comes in order to be fully present for us, just as the disciples on the road that day, He wishes for us to be His full presence with those that he has sent our way in our families and in our church community. And it is critical that we get this right. I see so many parents that are distracted. Their children calling out to them for some attention. And it is just a separation of all that has developed. You and I must get this right. I, I have been involved in Kairos ministry. Have you ever heard of that? It's a beautiful outreach um, into the prisons here, especially in the state of Georgia, where I'm familiar with it. But it is this beautiful ministry of reaching into the lives of those that are behind bars. And it's done in such a humble, humble way. You know what the motto of Kairos ministry is? It is so simple. It ought to be, it ought to be on the wall of every church building as well. Their motto is this. Listen, listen, love, love. Isn't that great? Listen, listen. Listened to their story, and then he loved them into that hope again. It says that their eyes were opened during supper. They just, they just knew it was him, and then he vanished. And this is. Another beautiful thing about our resurrected Lord. You can't quite pin him down. 
like so many people profess to do, you cannot quite pin him down. Because he's always, as the scripture says, he always is going before us. But when you persuade him to come in, today pain physical pain or emotional pain are you willing to let this be an offering before Christ and a receiving of his blessing may the mystery of Christ with his resurrection Especially.